Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. One of the most joyful tasks that a pastor ever gets is to do a wedding. You sense the presence of God. You sense the blessing of God as people say, we're not going to live together, sleep together. We're going to do it God's way. And even if we've messed up before, we're going to do it God's way. Now, I had a very good friend of mine who said, please, would you do my wedding? And it's on an island. And I just said, hallelujah. (laughs) So Nick and I went and one of my best friend's weddings, we did it on this island and we ate well and we swam and Just imagine like Hawaii, it was an island just off Malaysia. It was incredible. Until the moment that we had to go back. We got to the shore and these waves were pounding down across the bay, but it was actually a strait. And this little boat that they wanted to put us in was like something that you should have on Zoo Lake. Now, I still don't know if Nicola didn't understand the problem or if she was a great woman of faith. Because as we got onto this boat, like he goes like 45 degrees towards the wave, away from where we need to be going. Because if he went straight, he'd capsize. And I'm just praying. And Nicola's on the ferry ride. I mean, she's having fun and I'm praying. I mean, I was silent just praying the whole time. I thought we're going to die. I really thought we're going to die. In fact, I was right, okay? When we got to the other side and got to the hotel in Kuala Lumpur that night, that ship, that boat, whatever that thing was, that barge, (laughs) had sunk on the way back, on the return journey. So I still don't know if I was right or Nicola was right. But it had been a great crossing over for us. For me, it was fearful and praise God moment, and for Nicola, it was fun. Today, we're going to talk about crossing over. What is the challenge that you are facing? Financial, debt, bills, employment. What is the relational challenge that you're facing? Loneliness, lack of love, breakdown. What is the emotional challenge that you're facing, depression or fear, anxiety? What is the spiritual challenge you're facing? Hard heart? Maybe you're lethargic? Maybe that Bible is the heaviest weight in your whole house, you just can't pick it up? Maybe it's your body. Today, we're going to look at a miraculous crossing over. A crossing over that was absolutely impossible without God. A crossing over that should have cost them their lives, but it didn't because of their great leader. A crossing that Israel did because they followed God's steps, God's laid out steps to effect this. A crossing that took them from the wilderness into the promised land. This morning during worship, I thought Senzi had my script. She kept on like cross-referencing Joshua and, and the songs. I thought, how does she know? But we know how she knows. Amen. 
God is speaking. God is speaking about a crossing over. Let's pray together. Father, as we close out this year with gratitude, Father, we want to cross into all that you have for us. Not just the new year, but Lord, blessings and abundance, that Zoe life, that fullness of life. We know Canaan is not representative of heaven, but it's of the life that you intend for us. I pray that your sons and daughters would take hold of these divine principles which enable them to step into their promised land in the area of their health, in the area of their spiritual walk, in the area of relationships, whatever is bothering them, whatever is plaguing them. Ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just an acknowledgement. Some of what I'm going to share I found in a Scripture Union Bible study and it inspired me. So just... Background to Joshua chapter 3. God has delivered Israel out of the clasp of Egypt, out of slavery, Moses and the ten plagues. But as the saying goes, you can take Israel out of Egypt, but you can't take Egypt out of Israel. And so Israel is still in their old ways, and they rebel against God in the desert. And so what should have been 14 days becomes 40 years because of their sin, because of their rebellion. Okay, if you want to be technical, God wanted them to be in the desert for two years, so it's 38 plus 2. But now Israel is about to enter into the promised land. Promised land living. Abundance. Who of you feel like you want a bit more promised land living for 2024? And Moses is gone. Moses represents the law. You know, the law can only take us to the boundaries. Commandments, instructions can only take us so far. What we need is a Joshua. Yahoshua. It's the same meaning as Jesus. When the law was delivered, 3,000 people died. Read it. When the gospel was fully proclaimed in Acts chapter 2, 3,000 people were saved. So picture this. The two spies returned. There was the 12 spies. That was 40 years ago, 38 years ago. Now they just sent two, two good guys, right? They returned from Jericho, and they are over the moon. You know what they say? The people are terrified. The land is good, and God has given it to us. So they're given the instruction, move from where we are, the Acacia Grove, Shittim, and move to the shore of Jordan. We're going in. Can you imagine the excitement? Am I in the middle here? Maybe I'm being ADD. Does that help somebody? If it's just me. <laughs> Is that better, darling? They come to the shore of the Jordan. Imagine the excitement. They're like, we're not going to be like our forefathers. We are going in. Our fathers blew it, but we're not going to rebel. We are going to receive all that God has for us. And they stand on the edge of the promised land. But as they approach this famous river, Jordan, which means to descend or descending, as they see their long, longed-for real estate, what they saw was both confusing and dreadful. 
If you read in Joshua 3.15, there's one line, and it says this. The Jordan overflows its bank during the harvest season. The gentle Jordan was now a raging river, 50 kilometers, one and a half kilometers wide, they estimate, three meters deep. And not just that, but there's brush and there's foliage and there's all kinds of things that are going to trip you up. And they, and they see this water and they go, how will we do it? And they ponder. They stay there for three days. And I can just imagine by the campsite, they're like, like maybe we, some of the strong men can do it. But the children, the older people, they're not going to do it. It's like a jungle first just to get to the water and then from the water, it's just impossible. It's easy for us to relate to the emotions and the thoughts of Israel as they faced their Jordan and said, how are we going to get across into this thing that is promised? this promised land living that God has for us. Sometimes we feel that our life is stuck on the wrong side of God's promises. We read about it, but we're still in the wilderness. Jesus takes our no ways and he turns them into highways. Jesus takes us when we, when we feel like we are stuck, he turns us into successful. Grounded to grateful and marooned into marveling. What is impossible with men? Sorry, what is impossible with men is possible with God because nothing is impossible for Him. And we don't walk by sight, but we walk by faith. This is an image of... This is an image. Am I doing this the wrong way? Uh, sorry, nuts jumped. That's an image of the Vaal River. Just to give you a sense of the impossibility that they faced. And we're going to read now the steps that God gave for Israel to enter into the promised land. So here we go. Then Joshua arose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel. And they lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp. And they commanded the people saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go. For you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders amongst you. Then Joshua spoke to the priest, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, and Remember, Joshua is a type of Jesus. This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel that they may know that I was with Moses, so I will be with you. You shall command the priests to bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you have come to the edge of the water of Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. So Joshua said to the children of Israel, Come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, 
By this you shall know that the living God is amongst you, and that he will without fail drive out before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Perizzites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. Now therefore take for yourselves twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one man from each tribe, and it shall come to pass As soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of Jordan, that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off, the waters that come from upstream, and they shall stand as a heap. So it was when the people set out from their camp to cross the Jordan, with the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the Lord. And as those who bore the ark came to the Jordan, And the feet of the priests who bore the ark dipped in the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest, that the water which came from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zaratan. So the water that went down into the Arabah, the salt sea failed and were cut off, and the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Then the priests who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Steps to cross over. Steps for you and I to come into the promised land. The first one is so simple. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, and you see the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Follow the Ark. It's not Indiana Jones. But what does it mean? What's this piece of furniture? What does it mean to the Israelites, and what does it mean for us? Contained in the Ark were the stone tablets, the Word of God. God's revelation via scripture, is what it's talking about, is what it means. How do we know God? What's our epistemology? Big word. How do we know what we know? We know what we know through the word of God. This word is living and active. If you're feeling depressed, if you're confused, if you're going through hardship, if it's difficult times, take this word. Follow the ark means to follow the word. Follow what the word of God says. As pastors, we engage people who breach the word of God in extreme. They just ignore what God's word says and then they wonder why their life is broken. And it's not God's will, God's heart. God's word is there to protect you and to provide for you and to cause blessing to come upon you. It's there to guide you, to guard you, to refresh you. And when we say follow the ark, it means to follow the word of God. The second thing in the ark was a pot of manna, which was a reminder of God's provision. For 40 years, he had fed them manna. And the manna contained there and said, I've brought you thus far. I'm not going to let you down. I've watched over you. I've, I've kept you. I have provided for you. I'm not going to fail you now. We do well to recall the blessings of God. 
love the way Sensi led us in worship. Let's remember what God has done. What are the miracles? What are the miracles that you've experienced? Take hold of those and say, God, you did it. You're going to do it again. The third thing in the ark was Aaron's rod. This dead stick that came alive and brought forth blossoms and, and almonds. And it spoke of God's pattern of order and authority when the sons of Korah were rebelling. And they said, why should you lead us? You Levites and you Aaron. And God said, okay, let's see. And he caused the one, bud to, the one rod to bud. We do well to recognize and be submitted to the structures in society, in family, whatever, in church that God has put over us. And that's for a whole nother sermon. But it's so much more than that. At the ark, on the ark, was something called the mercy seat. And the mercy seat speaks of two things. It's the place of forgiveness. And it's the place of the very presence of God. Our God is a God who extends mercy. I loved what Lareko shared this morning. It's not just the magi who bring the gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Doesn't matter how far you feel from God. Doesn't matter how bad you've messed up. Doesn't matter how many times you've messed up. The mercy seat is there for you. If you will just repent. If you will just confess and say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. The people who don't receive mercy are those who don't go to the mercy seat. But if you are here and you're feeling alienated and you are alienated from God, come to the mercy seat. And the other thing, the mercy seat, is that was the very presence of God. So what are we meant to do? We're meant to follow the presence of God. Follow the moves of God. Follow what He is doing. The ark was the Old Testament equivalent of Emmanuel, God with us. And when the chest was led away and went forward, it meant that God was moving. God was going forward. Are you aware of which way God is moving? Are you aware of what God is wanting to do in society, in your family, in your life? Their task as the people of Israel was to follow the move of God. Centuries later, the true ark would come and dwell amongst us. Emmanuel, Jesus Christ. And the ark that contained the Ten Commandments, Jesus came and he said that I have fulfilled the law. And the ark preserved the manna, but Jesus himself is the bread of life. And today, Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father with the rod, holding all authority, all might. We all face words like crisis, cancer, creditors. It's easy for us to conclude and to become defeatist and to become passive and say, this is my lot in life. What do you do when you face the impossible? When Peter faced the impossible to walk on water, remember what he did? He fixed his eyes on Jesus. And as long as his eyes were fixed on Jesus, as long as he was following after Jesus, he walked on water. We need to focus our attention on what the Spirit of God is doing what the presence of God is doing. Follow the ark, his presence, his power, his mercy, his word. 
The second move or the second step, Joshua instructs them, cleanse yourself or sanctify yourself for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders amongst you. Cleanse, consecrate, sanctify. The Hebrew word is to prepare, to dedicate, to be holy, to separate or cleanse. God was telling them, if you want to cross into what I've got for you, you need to get rid of some stuff. You need to deal with some stuff. You need to be set apart for me. You need to be holy. And this involves two things. Firstly, personal repentance of every known sin. One of the reasons why Israel at times found, found their way blocked and one of the reasons why we find that our way is blocked is because of sin. Isaiah the prophet writes, The Lord's hand is not too short to save. His ear is not too deaf to hear. But your iniquities have built barriers between you and your God. And your sins have made him hide his face from you so that he does not listen. You know what sin is? Sin is a refused relationship with God that spills into a wrong relationship with people. I'll say that again to Eugene Peterson. Sin is a refused relationship with God that spills over into a wrong relationship with people. If we do our job, talks about this in 1 Peter, our job is to humble ourselves. If we humble ourselves, God will lift us up. We do our job, He does His job. But if we do God's job, if we lift ourselves up, then he'll do, his, then he'll do our job. <laughs> On the eve of one of the greatest days, Israel was commanded to be certain that they were right with God. Examine their lives. In James chapter 5, verse 16, it says this, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you might be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. 1 John 1 verse 9 says this, If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I want to, I know you want to go into the promised land. The full life that God has for us. To do it, you have to consecrate yourself. You know the difference between David and Saul King David, King Saul, wasn't their sin. David, the man after God's heart, arguably did a lot worse things. The difference was when David was faced with his sin, he fell on his feet, fell on his face, cried out to God, penned Psalm 51, create me a clean heart, O God. He owned his stuff. King Saul, when faced with his sin, does this magnificent tap dance. And blames everybody else. The soldiers, the other people. He never owns his stuff. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just. And will forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The other thing about being cleansed and consecrated and being sanctified is we become spiritually alert to God. Consecration in the Old Testament was many things. It was washing your clothes. It was 
abstaining from sexual relationships. It was changing your work schedule. It was changing normal functioning so that you could become alert to the things of God. I'm so glad we're going to take time to fast and pray this early in the new year. Consecration means this. I will set aside the typical and put my spirit on ready to see where God is working around me so that I can join in. It's making yourself attentive. It's putting yourself in a place of being alert to what God wants to do for you and through you. I mentioned weddings to you. You know, often brides lose weight before weddings. Have you, have you noticed that? Many times it's deliberate. But there's this known phenomena that brides just get so excited about what's happening that they forget to eat as well. I know, as men, you can't even believe that, you know. As we consecrate ourselves, we are so captured by what is ahead. We're so attentive to what is in store for us. We're so excited for what is ahead that we leave beside those things we leave behind those things that are holding us back because we are attentive to what is the wonder and the beauty of what is ahead for us. The third and last thing is that they're told to step out and stand still. Sounds a little bit paradoxical. When you've come to the edge of the water, you shall stand in the Jordan. Verse 8. And as those who bore the ark came to the Jordan and the feet of the priests who bore the ark dipped into the edge of the water, that the waters that came down from upstream stood still. So the moment of truth has come. The priests are stepping in. And as they step in, as they get their feet wet, their faith and their faithfulness moves the hand of God. It's wonderful that you consecrate yourself. It's right that you are following after the word in, in your heart. But there comes a moment where you've got to do it in your actions. We've actually got to step up and step out. You've got to start trusting God in areas that you haven't trusted before. You need to start doing things that you haven't done before. You need to start sharing the gospel and reaching out to others and giving of what you've got. Focusing on the Lord is essential. Consecrating yourself to the Lord is vital. But you will never cross into the promised land until you step out. And until you start doing things that are different. Our hearts, our eyes can be right on him. But if we don't move our feet to meet the challenges, we will never progress. We must commit ourselves, our time, our energy, our money, our lives to what, is, to what God is doing. And as we do, the miracle will come. After they stepped out, what did they do? They waited. <laughs> they stood waiting. Maybe some of you are waiting. Well done on stepping out. Sometimes there's a bit of a turbo lag between when you step out and it all happens. They stood, standing, trusting. And I can just imagine all of a sudden somebody said, the river's slowing down. The water's diminishing. All of a sudden, they could see that the water was subsiding. 
having stepped out, will you stand and wait for God to deliver you? My sister and I went hiking in um, Mountain Sanctuary Park about two days ago. And uh, as we came around this corner, this cobra reared its head up. It wasn't that big, but it felt like it was that big. <laughs> I like stepped back, <laughs> bumped into my poor sister. Fortunately, her head was done, otherwise I would have knocked her nose if she... This thing had reared up, and then it dropped down and slithered away. You know, the enemy wants to face you. Will you stand your ground? Will you stand your ground? I was like, what does this mean, Lord, that the snake, like Nicholas said to me, did you talk to the snake? <laughs> Why would I talk to the snake? <laughs> Pardon? Nicholas said, did it talk to me? <laughs> we didn't run away from that snake. We stood our ground and the snake moved away. For some of you, it's time to stand your ground. Amen. And you're going to see the snake turn and run away. In Psalm 114, it's just absolutely beautiful. It says, The sea looked and fled. The Jordan turned back. The mountains skipped like rams. The hills like lambs. Why was it? Sea that you fled. Jordan that you turned back. Mountains that you skipped like rams. Hills like lambs. And here's the answer. Tremble earth at the presence of the Lord. At the presence of the God of Jacob. You want to enter into the promised land? Will you follow the ark? Will you follow the ark? Will you follow the word of God? Will you remind yourself of his great deeds in your life? Of the blessings that he's given to you? Some of you are rich. Will you praise God for those riches that he's given to you? Some of you are healthy and strong and gifted and talented. And Will you thank him for these things? Will you recognize the authority structures that God has put in your life? Will you recognize the mercy seat that if you are far from him, that this is the time and this is the place? You don't have unlimited, infinite number of times to turn back to God. Did you know that? There's a finite number of moments to turn to God and follow after the presence of God and to enter into the fullness of God, of Zoe life. Will you lay aside those sins that hold you back? And will you become attentive to the move of the Spirit, to what God is doing? And will you step out? Not just be a virtual Christian. Welcome those online. We're not talking about you. <laughs> For all of us, watching or not, we are called to step up. Called to step out. The Bible says faith without works is dead. Faith outworks is dead. In other words, if you truly have got faith, it's going to be seen in you stepping out and doing things that unbelievers don't do. And having stepped out, will you stand, face down the enemy, he's going to turn and flee and you will see the deliverance of God. Can we pray together? Lord, as we, as we face our Jordans, 
as we see that there's a crossing over that's needed in the different spheres of our life, in our souls, in our relationships, in our finances. As we see the Jordan, Lord, we recognize your ways are right. We are called to follow your presence. Follow what you're doing. We are called to consecrate ourselves. We're called to step out. So I said, every head bows, every eye closed. I want to do an altar call for Christians. This isn't an altar call for salvation. But if this word is speaking to you about your consecration, about your holiness, about you leaving aside the things of this world, then I want you to decisively just stand to your feet. If that's you. This word has spoken to you about your holiness. What comes from your lips that shouldn't, what you do with your body that you shouldn't, what you do with your time that you shouldn't, and you saying, Lord, forgive me. Lord, cleanse me. Lord, set me free. If that's you, just stand to your feet. Lord, as we stand, we lay aside these sins that entangled us. We repent of them. We turn from them. Lord, I thank you for my brothers and sisters that are standing. They are, they are confessing. And as they are confessing, Lord God, pour your mercy upon them. Pour your grace upon them, Lord God. Wash them. Lord, may they enter into the promised land. No longer held back. Jesus' name. Take your seats. Let's just stay with our heads bowed. And I want to speak to you if you are here as a, someone who's completely on the outside. You need to make Jesus your Lord. You need to enter in. If that's you, sick and tired of being sick and tired is anybody here this morning Father I pray that you would pour out your mercy that those who feel that they can't because their sin is too great that you would speak to them now of your love and your faithfulness church can we stand together Won't you lift up your hands with me? Father, as we close out this year, as we enter into 2024, we give ourselves afresh to you. Lord, we say yes to you. We say yes to promised land living. We say yes to Zoe life. Lord, we turn aside from things of this world, Lord God, and we choose to follow the ark. We choose to step in. Bless us as a church. Bless us as a people. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.